Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for your love again. And Lord, what a beautiful time of worship this morning, Lord, where we've just come together in your presence. Lord, we just thank you that as we gather together, you promise in your word that, that you're there in our midst, Lord. And Father, if you're there, there's such a blessing because you are the loving, most beautiful, wonderful Father that ever was. And Jesus, the best Saviour, you are the only Saviour. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you for coming into our lives and just challenging us already this morning and comforting us and strengthening us, correcting us, giving us hope, giving us life and giving us power to live this Christian life. Father, we're devoid of anything without you because you are the source of life. And so, Father, this morning I just pray that we would just draw upon you, upon your strength, your breath, Father God, your life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hmm. So a fortnight ago we started to look at um, kids and what we're meant to do with children as parents and even as a church family. Remember we had a dedication and it was a beautiful day where we're promising together that we're going to help bring up this child in the ways of God. And went through four points, I believe, that day. I've got nine to go through and there's a hundred more that I thought of during the week, but I'm not going to add them on, so (laughs) don't worry about it. We'll be out of here by tomorrow. But this morning I just was probably going to look at two, maybe two more of those points and then finish it off next time I speak. Um, If you don't remember what the points were, we're just going to quickly go through them. Number one was God loves kids, absolutely loves them. To him, kids are so precious and so pure. In fact, um, he talks about the angel of each child being before the father and he talks about how children are so precious that if anyone causes them to stumble, they're going to cop it, not from you, not from the justice system, although that might be part of it, but from God himself. He has such a love for children that his heart is so broken when he sees a child in need. And what he's saying to us is we should be the same. We should have this same high regard because children are a gift from God. They are a blessing from him. And we're to cherish them and love them and not turn them away. So as a church, as a community, we're not to turn away children and and think that they're just a bother, they're nothing. But when the disciples were complaining because Jesus had all these children gathering around, Jesus told them off. He said, don't. Let the little children come to me because if you look at them, the kingdom of heaven belongs to people such as this. People who have no, um, no guile, no, no, no badness in them. They've got an innocence that reaches out to the Father. And, and if we could only be like that, we would have such more blessing from God because we would just accept and receive it. It's like I've said before that when your kids come home, they just don't ask you, is there going to be food on the table tonight? They say, Dad, Mum, what's for dinner? There's an expectation that their father and mother are going to be supplying for them everything that they need. They don't ask that. They just say, where is it? What is it? Feed me. And in a way, that's sort of what we're like, meant to be like with our Heavenly Father, that we're expecting that there's a table set for us. In fact, if we look at Psalm 23, it says that he'll set a table before us Sorry, before the presence of our enemies. So, in other words, there's a feast going on. No matter what's happening in this world, God's providing for us. God is providing for us. And so God loves children and we're to love children too. Number two is to teach your children to fear the Lord. 
and obey his commands. Okay, he talked about marriage, the husband and wife fearing God, and, and we talked about that when we talked about a godly husband. What is he? Number one, fears God. Number one, fears God. And if you do not fear God, if you don't have a love for God, you are not going to be a fantastic husband the way that God meant you to be. You can be good, but there's something more when a person actually fears God and loves God more than their wife, loves God more than their husband, that actually allows them to love each other in a much better way. And we're meant to pass that on to to our children, to direct our children into the right path. When they're older, they will not leave it. Parental care is a prime thing that we're meant to be doing. In Deuteronomy, we looked at how we're meant to teach them often, We're meant to teach them in the morning, in the night, when you're travelling, when you're at home. No matter where it is, you're meant to be teaching God to them. Now, what does that mean? Well, obviously it means we teach what God wants. How do we teach it? With our words, but also with our action. Our actions have to line up with that. And family is designed to produce godly children. In Malachi 2 it says that. Okay, so can I just say to parents here, that if you do not know the word of God, you are failing your children. How can you possibly teach them the word of God and what God wants if you do not study the word of God yourself? Sounds a little bit heavy, but it's not really. What it's saying was, God says, you're meant to be teaching a fear of me and, and your children to follow my path. Well, if I got up here and I said, this morning I'm going to teach you German, I think I know about five words, Donner und Blitzen, which is thunder and lightning, I believe. And I got that from war comics, <laughs> reading the war comics, okay? So when the Germans were getting attacked by the British, they'd go, Donner und Blitzen, something like that. I don't know if that was their voice because was, I was reading it. That's the voice I put in. <laughs> and Achtung or something, which is attention. So, so I'd come up here and I'd teach you, out of my limited knowledge, I could teach you some German. Well, guess what, parents? If you're not making an effort to study God's word, if you're not making an effort to pray, if you're not making an effort to connect with God, how can you possibly show your children who God is? How can you? It's impossible, right? Because you don't know. You can only teach what you know. You might not know much. Teach what you do know, but then study the Word of God for yourself. Get it in you. And don't just study it. Start to live it. If you don't live it, you'll be just a hypocrite. Your kids will see you acting one way at church and in life and another way totally different. So you'd be Mr. Christian or Mrs. Christian at church and all loving and happy and nice and then at home you're horrible and mean and nasty and cheating and whatever else you do and kids are no fools, okay? They can see it and they, they are more likely than not going to say Christianity is a load of junk because you are showing me that Christianity is so fake, it's not real You're one way at church, you're one way around your Christian friends for 10 or 15 minutes, you live a life totally devoid of God every other time and they're not going to follow after God, simple as that. Or if they do, it's only God's grace, which is amazing. So I'm not going to say they won't because it does happen. In fact, so many of us came from non-Christian families that were born again, but so many kids get put off Christianity not because of God or Jesus, but because their parents don't live the life that God intended them to live. So it's important. It's really, really important. Don't, don't not take up that responsibility. Don't be a, a coward. Find God, seek God, 
Talk God to your children. Okay. Number three was be an example of faith. Leave a godly inheritance. So we're talking about how it's not just meant to be um, the parents teaching the children, but also as you're a grandparent, you've got to keep that same thing up with your grandchildren. Don't just think, I've done my bit and that's it. Look after your grandchildren as well. Support your children in bringing up their children in the ways of God, okay? Um, and there's such a blessing for children when uh, their parents fear God. Uh, Proverbs 14:26 says, Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. So as you fear God, you provide a safe place for your children. (coughs) And also when you fear the Lord, it will protect and bless your children. Proverbs 27, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. People who walk in integrity attract their children to them. Number four is discipline your children well. Um, and we just talked a bit about that. Make sure when you correct, you also instruct. Okay? You don't just tell off, you instruct. There's no point telling someone you don't do it that way if you don't tell them this is how you're meant to do it. Okay? So make sure that, again, that goes down to how, how well do you know God? How well do you know His Word? Because if you're going to say to a kid, don't do that, it's wrong, there's got to be a good reason for it. You've got to say, this is why it's wrong. This is how it affects things. This is the wisdom that comes from God in that situation. Okay? So it's not just the rod and rebuke, but it's also correction. Correction comes when you tell the right thing. Okay? Correcting behavior. It's not just about punishing, it's about correcting. Okay? And, and us, ourselves, it says that God's word corrects us. Okay, so if we get into God's word and we're living wrong, I know what it's like. I'll read something and I'll go, gee, I missed that today. You know, I was really wrong in in my behavior. And when I allow that to correct me as a good child, then I change who I am. Okay, so we're up to point five, which is don't provoke your children. And let's go to Ephesians chapter six. And we're going to look at verse four there. And we're also going to look in Colossians as well. So Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 4. Okay, before this there is a a bit of a a talk to the children. It says, Only your father and mother. Mother, not mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you'll have a long life on the earth. So kids, listen to that first, okay? Before we talk to the mums and dads about not provoking you, you've got a responsibility too, okay? You cannot say that it's all mum and dad's responsibility. It's your responsibility as well to honour your father and mother. And it's a commandment from God with a promise. If you do, then things will go well for you and you'll have a long life on the earth. So that's a bit of a carrot. I'd like a long life and I'd like things to go well. So think about that. Okay, so verse 4. Fathers, do not, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So again, we're looking at there's discipline, but there's also instruction. And, there, and this is to fathers and mothers. It doesn't just mean men. It means the ladies as well. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. We're going to go into that in a little bit. So just go over to Colossians 
chapter 3. Verse 21. And again, before that, children, I always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Okay, as a Christian child, as a Christian person, God's saying when you obey your parents, it actually pleases God. Now, this is why it's important to understand that the fear of God or the love of God needs to be passed on. When God becomes my number one thing in my life, I will read something like that and I'll go, children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. It's like, wow, I want to please God. If I can live my life pleasing to God, that's exactly what I want. And he's saying again, obey your parents. Does it mean if your parents tell you to do something that God wouldn't like, you do it? No, of course not. Because God's ways are higher than theirs, okay? Always that way. Children, always obey your parents, blah, blah, blah. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Okay, so when we read through those verses there, there's there's telling us not to provoke our children, not to aggravate our children, and there's a reason because they will become discouraged or, or we will make them angry as parents. Okay, what does that actually really mean? Provoking your children to wrath. What does it mean to teach your children? This is what we need to look at. What it actually means is this, the whole education and training of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for this purpose godly commands and admonitions, reproof and punishment. It also includes taking care of the body. Okay, so... As parents, we are being told you need to educate your children in every single way. It's not just about their spirit. It's not just about their physical body. It's not just about their mind. So quite often we we, we take these things and we want to go and make them a God to our children. But God's saying this is what you want to do. Educate and train your children up. Yes, you need to teach them to be studious and educated. You need to train them in how to look after their body how to have a good mind and to have good morals. Okay, so now we're looking at God's word. How does this work with us? And what we need to do is make sure that we also exhort and praise our children. It's funny, Jo is telling me that she is watching a a video and it's to do with the early childhood stuff. And in it, there was a teacher going to a kid, you know, you did really well, etc. I think they weren't doing that. The kid was coming and they're saying, this is what I did. And they're going, you did that. So oh, I jumped really high. Yes, you jumped really high. And, and what the point that they were trying to get across was, you can't praise them. I was like, what? What is that? It's like, yes, you, you tell them, yes, you did that. But you can't actually praise them. Now, there is that overindulgence which parents get into. But when your kids are doing well, you just lift them up. You tell them, you did really good. And you encourage them in everything that they do. And what can happen is sometimes that as a parent, instead of recognising their good qualities, sometimes we can only crack down on them. So the only time we talk to them 
is when we're telling them off. And I don't know if you've ever met people like that, but every time you meet them, you're just like, oh, here it comes again. You know, there's the complaining people that, that when they walk in the door, you're just set and you're ready. You're like, I wonder what they're going to complain about today. There's no joy in them ever. And sometimes as parents, it can be a little bit like that. The only time you talk to them is when you're watching TV and they're being noisy, so you tell them off. Or doing something, so you tell them off. Parents, we need to learn to listen to our children. We need to take time outside of the correction and discipline to just love on them and give them encouragement and say, you're doing well in life. Even if they're struggling, you might be struggling in that area, but I'll tell you what, you're doing well. You're a great person because you're teaching them how to be a great person. So what you're doing is planting in them a seed that will bring fruit one day. How do I frustrate my child? Because it talks about don't frustrate your children. Number one is you tease them to the point of frustration. How many parents do you see do that? It's like they just can't wait to work their kid up to the point they explode. Don't do it. You punish them unfairly or unjustly. So, I mean, everyone knows what that's like. It's like, well, if one of you did it, you're all getting the, the cane or whatever at school. When, when I was at school and the cane was allowed. But just one did it, so all the class are staying at lunchtime. Is that fair? Is that just? We need to think about what we're doing when we're punishing our children. Don't just unfairly punish them. Don't do it unjustly. Think about it. Work it out. Pray about it. How is this meant to be happening? Don't punish them without explanation. And I've talked about that before, but that can make a kid really angry. It's like, why am I getting punished? Sometimes they don't even know. Make sure they know why they're in trouble and explain to them, teach them, correct them and show them the right way of life afterwards. Sometimes we punish before the facts are out and that's not a good way to punish. We need to make sure we gather the information as parents and we need to not show favouritism. That's another way to frustrate your children. Think of Joseph. He was thrown in a well by his brothers because he was dad's favourite, really. He might have had a funny dream and he said, oh, you'll be bowing down to me, but they would be going, this kid again. You know, dad's made him this amazing coat, the coat of many colours. And dad just loves him above us and he always favourites him. Is that a word, favourites him? (laughs) Favours, that's it. Just shorten that word down a bit. Favours him. And we can't be like with our, that with our children. You will have pe- kids that have different personalities. You understand that, don't you? Some kids are more difficult from experience in different areas. <laughs> my kids too. <laughs> but me and my family when I was a child. My sister was nuts, seriously. When she got in trouble, she'd run around and Dad would chase her around the island bench trying to get her. And she would be laughing and laughing and laughing. And get, she'd get a smack and she'd keep laughing. And I was more like the, okay, I'm going to be good. <laughs> Just give me a smack. I'll go to my room and I'm a man. I'm not going to cry, even if it hurts. Yep, I'm tough. But your kids will have different personalities, but you can't afford to love one more than the other. You can't afford to... Show favouritism that way. You just have to love them the same. You'll discipline them differently for sure. 
but your love for them has to be the same and they need to know that, that you're not indulging one and neglecting another one, okay? Okay, so that's number five. Don't provoke your children. Think carefully about how you're treating them as parents, that you're not getting them into a state where they're frustrated, where they're angry, when they're misunderstood, and it's your fault, okay? Because there are times when you just feel that way as a kid and you just feel that way, I'm misunderstood, but that's okay. Sometimes you're not, you're just in trouble. Another way to to actually um, provoke your children to frustration is to put an unreasonable demand on them, okay? Now, this is one of those things that we have to be really careful of as parents because we can want our kids to be everything we should have been. We want them to get the education we didn't have. We want them to be the sports person that we weren't. We want them to be the amazing talent that we never achieved. And what we can do is we can start to place unreasonable demands on our children and instead of letting them be who God made them, we try to form them into our image instead of into God's image. So we can be overbearing and we try to mould them so they either won't be like us, so we might have not lived our life all that well and, and we're, saying, we're so fearful that our kids are going to go down the same path that we don't act in faith towards them and we don't speak God to them, but all our time is this fear, I don't want my kids to be like me, and so we place unrealistic expectations or restrictions on their life trying to make sure that they don't be like us because we were not that great. We did this and we did that and then God found us and, and we changed. But I don't want that to happen to my kids and we can't afford to parent out of that fear and we can't have our dreams and our expectations that are unfulfilled fulfilled through our children, okay? They're not us. They're never meant to be us. And in fact, they are meant to be who God made them. That's it. So that's why we have to teach them to seek God. When they come to you with a dream and and, and an ambition, don't just shoot it down and say, no, you're not going to be that. This is what you're going to be. Oh, but you know, I just love hairdressing. It's my passion. No, you're going to be a lawyer. You're going to stick to uni. You're going to be a lawyer. And drive a passion out of them. Not everyone is designed the same way. And God has specific plans and purposes, talents, treasures and gifts that he gives us that are meant to be used for God. Now, if we try and form our kids into what they should be because that's what we said they should be, they're going to miss out on God's blessing. They're going to not enjoy life how it's meant to be. And no doubt there's some of you out there today that that pressure was applied on you by your parents. And it's probably sitting there still where you are so eager to please your parent that you're not allowed to be the person that you've become. You're not allowed to be that person and, and, and all your life it's just spent trying to make mum happy or trying to get dad's approval, whatever it is. And, and so you change who you are to try and fit into what they want you to be. That's not how God made it to be because we read ages ago when we're looking at husbands and wives that they leave the mother and father and they join together and they become one. God purposed it that you should be your person. It can be the same in marriage. Your wife is a real person. 
Your husband is a real person with dreams, ambitions and goals that you need to cherish and love and encourage in their life. Not that you split up and be different and everything, but that you recognise that God has placed in them a personality that is their personality and you need to encourage that, not make them become like you. You didn't get married to change a person into who you want them to be. You married them because you loved them and you saw something in them that was special and you might have lost it, but you can get back to that with God's help. So if that's you today, even now as adults, we can sometimes be so bound by what our parents think. You need to be free from that this morning and in Jesus' name today, let it go and be the person that God made you to be. Number six, don't sacrifice your children. If you can go to Second Kings, and I'll just go through this and, and get some points out of this for us. Second Kings chapter 17. You might say, well, what's, what's this got to do with kids? Just one little verse in this that really triggered my thoughts. So what we're seeing is that there's some foreigners from Assyria that were settling in Samaria, okay? Because Israel had gone into captivity. And what happened was they went to Israel or Samaria and there's lions eating all these people that came in and, and they actually worked out that it was because they weren't following the customs that God had for them. They weren't worshipping the Lord. So they weren't, weren't Israelites. It's a bit like us, you know. We, we come into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, out of the kingdom of darkness. And we, we've come from a land which is foreign to the kingdom of God and we've entered into the kingdom of God. So there was a problem here. So what happened? We'll read from verse 26. So a message was sent to the king of Assyria. The people you have sent to live in the towns of Samaria do not know the religious customs of the God of the land, which was our God, Yahweh. He has sent lions among them to destroy them because they have not worshipped him correctly. The king of Assyria then commanded, send me one of the exiled priests, send one of the exiled priests back to Samaria. Let him live there and teach the new residents the religions, religious customs of the God of the land. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. But these various groups of foreigners also continued to worship their own gods. In town after town where they lived, they placed their idols at the pagan shrines that the people of Samaria had built. Those from Babylon worshipped idols of their gods, Succoth, Benoth. Those from Cuthath worshipped their god, Nurgle. And those from Hamath worshipped Ashimah. The Arwites worshipped their gods, Nibaz and Tartak, and the people from Sephavaim even burned their own children and sacrifices to their gods, Adramalek and Anamalek. These new residents worshipped the Lord, but they also appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests to offer sacrifices at their place of worship. And though they worshipped the Lord, they continued to follow their own gods according to the religious customs of the nations from which they came. 
I started thinking about this as Christians. How on earth could this even apply to us as Christian parents? And I just started thinking along the lines of, of what happens to us sometimes. It can happen so easily. But we become Christians. I don't know what life you came from when you were unsaved. Maybe your parents were Christians and you became a Christian. But maybe you were way outside of God and you became a Christian. One of the things that can tend to happen is that we know God. We've come to the place, we've accepted God in our life, we've, we've become a Christian and, and suddenly things have changed in our life. And it's like we now have learnt how to worship God. We know who he is, we know what he's done and we start to worship him. But so often we see that parents will start to set up idols to other things of this world. The world that we used to live in, the the foreign land. They'll put up the idol like we were talking about before of sport, reputation, education, money, relationships. They will still worship God as parents. They will come to church, they will love God, but somehow they set up this idol for their children to be sacrificed at. And they make that acceptable. It's like, I've given up all these things and I'm worshipping God, but I tell you what, there's still that little idol there, that pull over to the things of this world. And I'm going to allow my kids to actually go and worship there. I'm going to let my kids get dragged away by those things and I'm not going to correct them and say, hey, listen, you know what? Being an all black is not the number one thing in life. It's great. It's good. And we see someone like like Jones who is a dedicated Christian and he actually gave up Sunday football playing test matches for the, for the um, Kiwis because he had a heart that said, no, God is number one in my life. But parents, it's so easily done that we just let our children follow down that track. We think they'll be right. It's okay. I'm a Christian. I'm following after God. My kids will be okay. And we don't tend to pull them up from the things of this world that distract them from who God is. And what can happen is even though we know how to worship God, we don't pass it on to our children. We don't pass on the right way. This is what you do to worship God. And we allow these other things to come in and become more important. Now, we just looked at how we're meant to instruct our children and it talked about the mind, the body and morals. So it's not that that God's saying, you know what, wealth isn't important. In fact, God wants us to be able to prosper and prosper his kingdom. I've got no doubt about that. Education's not bad. Think of all the amazing things that mankind has made and done because God placed inside of him a creative spirit. And in fact, as a Christian, relying on the Holy Spirit, you should be the most creative person in your workplace. You should be drawing things from God and, and, and giving into that workplace as a ministry. It's not that. You should be great at sport because you're dedicated, you're disciplined. But what happens is sometimes we don't tell our kids God is the most important thing in your life. You know what? If you have to miss out on Sunday soccer, you miss out. 
Because God is more important. It's more important to me that you know who God is and experience who God is than go to soccer every Sunday and miss out on who God is. And I'm showing you by letting you do that, I'm sacrificing you to that God. Whatever it is, we can do that. Now, does it mean we never do sport on a Sunday? No, not at all. That's a choice that we make with God. And we talk about these things. I remember as a kid, I, I loved AFL. And they used to play on a Saturday. It was my first year. I could actually go and play under-17s, I think it was, or something like that. So I went down to training, rocked up and trained, had a great training, was doing really good. And they said, oh, we're changing it to Sunday morning this year. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what do you do? Where does your heart take you? Well, I know my parents... They made God important and church important, and it is. Church is not your God either, by the way. But I made a decision that day. I was like, God, you know what? You're more important. I might be able to play AFL and do better and better because now I'm here in a young age. But I'll tell you what, I want to get into heaven. I want to please you. I want to be, be great in your kingdom. And if that means a bit of sacrifice on this earth of the things that I think are important, I'm going to do it. Think how many people I've met that they say, you know what, I'm a Christian and, and now I've got this great mining job and I'm out for three weeks back for one. I can't go to church anymore, but it's good money. It's good money. And how many drift away from God and leave him? Not everyone does. Don't, don't take this wrong. I was a shift worker for many years. But I can tell you right now in the fire brigade, it's a struggle for Christian men to stay focused on church and God. It really is because I know them. It's very, very hard. So you need to be very strong in faith and make the decisions that please God. And we must show our children that we are honouring God with our choices, that we know the right way to worship and pass that on to them and not let them become a sacrifice to a God of this world whatever it might be, whether it's wealth, fame, education, whatever it is, make sure church is part of their life because it is important. I'm not saying it's the most important thing. I've said that. Church is not God. But I'll tell you what, this world is impacted so greatly by churches. We can, we can make you know, these assertions about churches and even big churches, but big churches... They send out more missionaries than anyone else I know. They feed more people and more poor than I know. They do more work in the community than anyone else I know because they're pulling together their resources and they're affecting and changing the world. In fact, I don't know many people that can carry on with God without being part of a local church. It's so important to your faith to strengthen it. Okay. That's enough for today.